Welcome to episode, I should, I, I do this every single time, episode 23 of Sim Sundays by GridFinder, you know, your source of weekly sim racing chat interviews and a little bit of sim racing. This week we are not doing any sim racing though, kind of like the last two episodes that we've had, just because, um, well, we have a very unique guest on today and it's a little bit different from our normal our normal sim racing style of show. So, Tom, how you doing today, sir? I'm good. I'm very good. How are you doing, Chris? Because you always ask Hi. me this, and then we never get a chance to ask you how you are. <laughs> I am doing great. Um, well, with the exception of the weather is making a turn for the worse, so outdoor activities are kind of going out the window at this point. But that gives me more time to sit here and virtually steer around tracks and well, hopefully get better at some point so that when we do actually race on Sim Sundays, I don't just hit a wall or flip a car or do my typical, uh -huh. the moment Mike puts me on the screen, crash and burn. You know how that goes. <laughs> yeah, I kind of enjoy it. It's kind of become a little bit, um, I don't want to say iconic because that almost seems a bit mean. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine with it. it if, if I can make a compilation of all of my crashes at the end of the season, I'm good to go. That's fine with me. I can be the meme of the show. Right, there's an easy joke here about how it would take a long time to go through the footage and then cut it down to the best ones and then put those out there. But I won't make that joke because that would be mean. <laughs> well, why don't you introduce our guests so we can get them and and all the conversations that we were trying to put off during the pre-show to the actual show. Right. Okay. So this week we have some very exciting guests from Circuit Superstars. We have two of the founders, the creators and the designers, Alberto and Carlos from Circuit Superstars. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank, thank you so much for having us. Thank you for yeah, having us. Thank you. Thank you for joining. And, you know, thank you for in the pre-show accepting the fact that I'm like, let's stop talking about that. We're going to get to that during the show. We got we, yeah. we got to keep that yeah. content for the, for the fans and everything. Immediately excited to start talking about racing. <laughs> I know. And, you know, we're, we were saying that it's just really nice that we have such a synergy with our interests when it comes to the guests on the show that it, it just naturally flows and it gets right into the conversation. And one of the big ones that I'm super excited to talk about is the recent thing that happened in real motorsport. I know this is a sim racing show, but we have to talk about it. That crazy push in NASCAR where he <laughs> rode the wall all the way around the final corner to get into the next uh, the championship, right? Yeah, did, did, you guys saw that, right? Yeah, 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 we did. And what <laughs> I, I thought it was iconic immediately. Uh, one of the most memorable moments of motorsport this year, for sure. Uh, the funny thing is, is that if you, I don't know if you guys were able to catch the the compilations from all the other drivers, mm. but they were like, "That's straight from a video game." He's sitting <laughs> up in here. And like, yes. They were yeah. just joking about how literally he took a video game move from like iRacing and just sent yeah. it straight down. Yeah, the yeah. Well, it's so common to see it on video games, and um, so, but obviously in a video game you have walls that are absolutely perfect, and you just. Mm -hmm. You can't help but wonder if that will be possible in real life. So just to see it happen is very special. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess in video games, we never think about the costs. And no. that's why everyone does it in video games. There's no penalty. There's no actual loss. But the fact that he did it in real life, it's like that's what was so crazy was the, the just send it. Uh, <laughs> just straight that, around the corner and just destroy uh, the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
I always, um, I've been saying a lot recently, this little phrase that um, sim racing has a blessing and a curse, right? And the blessing and the curse is the fact that it's so close to motorsport. So if you think about it, sim racing's blessing is the fact that you can immerse yourself in motorsport in these one-to-one wheel and pedals, like inside the cockpit, racing, like the physics engines nowadays are incredible. You can kind of get, you can get so immersed in the world of motorsport through sim racing, right? That's his blessing. But its curse is the fact that if you can watch motorsport or almost motorsport, most people would choose motorsport. But this week, it was quite interesting to see the overlap in somebody doing a sim racing move and using the environment with no, no thoughts about the cost or the danger and just going for it and doing a sim racing move. That was quite interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, well, I, I guess... Um... They're gonna to have to do something about it because if they leave it as it is, then that will be the default move for everyone in the last corner of the last lap on <laughs> yeah, that track. Just, please. All of a sudden, uh, it's, it's gonna it, they'll re rework the wall so it's a little smoother so it doesn't yeah, yeah. or whatever. Like, right, so, it's a bit like, we'll like in Formula One where it's like yes, I guess it's legal now, but we have to ban it because otherwise the prices just go up and it's pointless. Right. Uh, so, you guys, do you guys know Robot Wars? Have you ever heard of? Has Robot Wars made it across to America? Robot Wars. Yeah, oh, you know, yeah, with yeah, the guys yeah. with the remote control robots yeah. that like have axes and like like grinders and stuff. We've seen the YouTube. Oh, okay, right. So yeah. it was kind of iconic as I was growing up, but I think that um, NASCAR could take some inspiration from robot wars to stop this problem of cars using the walls and just put some like angle grinders that stick out of the side of the walls or some like you know like the cheese wedges that flip you up so if you decide to ride the wall you just get angle ground and flipped up <laughs> right. oh, man yeah. Yeah, i don't know if the drivers will appreciate that so much but <laughs> but you know what that's interesting because i can't remember who i was talking to recently we were talking about sim racing i oh, know do you know it was the episode with florian Florian Hasper, do you remember we were talking about, um, so Florian Hasper from VCO and, and, and BS Plus competition, so the BMW sim racing team, we were talking about the future of sim racing and what does it need to do to survive and grow. And he made a really interesting point that it needs to find its own creativity. It can't just try and replicate motorsport because then people just watch motorsport because it'll only ever be almost motorsport. So he was saying that you need to find new kind of creative ways of making sim racing interesting and i feel like that is kind of what circuit superstars is doing right mm. thank you uh yes so in many ways it is because the um, the goal of of experiencing the joy of participating in, participating in a real race um it's a tricky one, right? Like because you got the expenses, uh, you got how how far you want to take the the immersion aspect of it, and at the same time you're sort of fighting a little bit of a an unfixable problem, which is that you cannot get uh, an implicit amount of respect between drivers in a sim racing environment the same way that you can in real life because there's no danger. And so you always have this layer on sim racing where there's like a social contract between all the participants to respect the rules, uh, but you can break them. Uh, and there's 
not the same amount of weight to them. Yeah. Um, so what we've tried to do is, in a way, um, create a space where this the the aspects that we thought were most exciting about participating in a participating in a race, um, portraying those and preserving as much as we could, whilst in some way making um, the interactions a little bit more forgiving, the, um, the dynamics uh, of motorsport just a little bit more playful yeah. and lighthearted, lighthearted, but still you got to um, be a person who pushes for making consistently fast laps uh, and to think about strategy. And we have a lot of ideas of how to take that concept further and keep evolving it and, and approach it in a playful way and embrace the medium uh, so that it doesn't feel like a limitation anymore, like a bridge. Yeah, I no, like I the, the overall started. art direction of, of, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but the Circus Superstars, the way it presents itself reminds me a lot of like the old school RC Pro-Am or mm, off-road right. games from the past. And it's it's interesting because you you do still get the I, the feeling of sim racing and the competition and everything, but just like you said, it's more lighthearted and easier to kind of just I don't know sit back on the couch with your Steam Deck and go okay let's let's just throw a couple races together instead of be like okay I got to get strapped in to put on my gloves and put on my shoes and let's yeah let's, let's go it's, become, it's so much right? easier and you still get to experience the racing were games like RC Pro Am and maybe off road were did you draw inspiration from games like that, or where did you draw your inspiration for the art? For the art? For, like, the, um, the style well, and, and the feel of the game. Right, right. Um, uh, many places. Um, we grew up playing all sorts of um, racing games. Uh, all sorts of games, really. Uh, but racing games were always a particular fascination. And we played everything so from from the uh, sim first simulation games. Uh, we grew up with the Papyrus games, uh, IndyCar, NASCAR, uh, the Geoff Cramond F1 games. Uh, then in 2001, we played the, the first Gran Turismo, uh, which uh, at first I didn't get it. Like I didn't understand the appeal because there was no damage model, there was no cockpit deal. Uh, the races only had six cars, and I had to do a bunch of races with slow cars in order to get to the fast one. So at first I didn't get it, but <laughs> eventually it became like I started to understand the appeal and all the all the car culture. Uh, but then we always loved the uh, uh, look forward to play the new Mario Kart, and we always had great fights, especially with two of our cousins who are also fanatics of uh, racing and sim racing. We had great fights playing Mario Kart and all sorts of arcade games. Uh, we played this freeware top-down racing game that came um, uh, that um, yeah, came out like 20 years ago called Gene Rally. Uh, so, uh, and then we raced the uh, RC cars for for a few years. Mm. So, um, when we started thinking about uh, making our own game, we, when we developed an, an interest in game development. Uh, we knew very quickly that uh, it, it made no sense to to attempt to try to do something realistic because. It's an arms race, and uh, you need to learn a lot of stuff before you can do anything remotely good. So um, uh, we felt as well that at the time there was space for a game that was uh, very uh, arcadey, but also very physical. 
and with a with a different angle with a camera that sort of followed the car and and let you see it up close so so it, you you get this nice level of detail and use the car and the suspension working so it was it was very natural it was sort of um, how can we bring the 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 flow and the the field of that of concentration and flow that you get from RC racing and put it in a in a format that feels um, accessible but but immersive and captures all the the nice essential uh, fascinating aspects of of motorsport and uh, just with experimentation it, it started to it started to to just uh, to come together naturally uh, we we came along these paper cars made by a Japanese car and guy. Uh, it was called Mitmania. And it's, okay. it's these very sh uh, short wheelbase cars made out of paper, like origami. And we love the style, so we, we immediately felt like that was uh, very appropriate for, for, the kind, for the tone of the game. Uh, that's sort of um, arcadey, but not too cartoony, uh, not, not, too, okay. yeah, yeah. not too goofy. In so, a way, the um, the art style we wanted to make it be a reflection a bit of the general approach to motorsport. So the races are short, the tracks are short, um, the physics are not fully realistic. Uh, they're like condensed. Mm -hmm. So it made sense to make to treat the art style in the same way, and we thought uh, Midmania sort of captured that uh, essence of like shorter cars. And so we've tried to keep the same philosophy going from the game design aspects to the visuals and if it's been a struggle at some times because the 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 first look of the game is a bit too playful for what people experience <laughs> once they play it <laughs> so yeah. that's been a struggle for us but what, what we were trying to do uh in some ways successful and some others not successful was to match the level of um condensation of motorsport that we were trying to do. I was just about to to bring that up actually because it's interesting that you you point out that your users have this almost disparity between what they experience in the game and what they see in the visuals before they download it. Because obviously at one end of the spectrum you've got things like Mario Kart and then at the other end you've got things like R Factor 2 and iRacing and Soto Corsa and those guys are really really chasing like the physics models. But what mm -hmm. I thought was interesting is your game came out at a similar time, how I perceived it anyway on social media. Yeah. It came out at a similar time to Art of Rally, which had mm -hmm. a very similar look and feel. And it was almost like there was this, this huge gap between, okay, Mario Kart, where were you firing, you know, <laughs> blue, red, and green shells at each other, banana skins, mm -hmm. all the way up to, right, okay, I need to, I need to look after my tires in the last few laps now because, you know, I've, I've not got my setup right. You've got, but then right in the middle, Mm -hmm. Okay, maybe maybe to the right of this center, you've got things like uh, Gran Turismo. But actually, there's a kind of center-left gap here, assuming that the arcade is on the left, and the, I don't know why I'm saying left and right, but you get my point, right? There's this spectrum of mm -hmm. games from arcade oh, yeah. all the way up to simulator, and you fill a gap somewhere between kind of Project Cars, Gran Turismo, and Mario Kart. And it was interesting to see that you and Art of Rally seem to fill this gap at about the same time with very similar art styles did, did you watch that happen did you kind of were you conscious of this space that was left empty and then did you did you kind of see a couple of people entering at the same time not so um 
Art of Rally and, and Circuit Superstars have had, had been in development for about, I don't know, maybe seven years before they came out, and they happened to come out sort of at the same time. Um, but yeah, the it, it was more a coincidence than that <laughs> the fact that we we both came out, and I think the fact that we're both indie uh, has puts puts natural constraints on both of us to stylize uh, the art because chasing realism and high detail is uh, unattainable for teams of our size. Yeah. Um, so I think naturally we've sort of found both a similar solution to a similar problem. And in a way, I think it's very fortunate that, uh, that both games exist because um, from my point of view, I, I, I've never seen Art of Rally like as a competitor, more like a, another game to create uh, and c cement this new space of uh, sim mid arcade or stylized simulations or however we want to coin them. Um, and we feel happy to participate in that space because uh, it can be motorsport and, and it can be playful and it doesn't have to change realism, but the, the motorsport community could still enjoy it and embrace it. And um, knowing, for example, we've had um, the people on the the race, the, the journalism site, um, they, they've told us how much they enjoy playing it and, and knowing how, um, how much they know about the sport and how closely they follow it uh, makes us feel very uh, rewarded by the the efforts of trying to entertain an audience that really knows about the sport. And despite being so knowledgeable, they can still find appeal in a simplified and stylized uh, representation of that world. I really think you guys nailed it with the not going too complex in, in the graphics or the physics model, because no matter what it is that you love, well, in this case, it's motorsport. There are times where you don't, you don't want to be on, we'll say, your A game. Like, you don't want to sit down at a full simulator. You don't want to try as hard as you possibly can to win the race. You just kind of want to sit down, relax, play something a little bit more arcadey, and and just genuinely have fun, but in the same exact uh, realm of interest. So this being that fun, playful, still competitive, and and really well-designed version of that is is the perfect gap to fill because if i you're right tom if you think about it there's not really there's there's the super there's mario kart which is a blast there and then there's acc which is also a blast but you guys fit right in the middle there and just you fill that oh, i'm gonna sit on my couch i'm gonna watch some tv but i also want to race a little bit let's let's have yeah. some fun here so yeah that's true are Sorry. you both part of the um are you both part of the original dev team if you will quote unquote so uh, the question i have is like how did how did you sit around a table or wherever you were sitting and go you know what we're going to make a game how did <laughs> how did that conversation come to be when you're like we love motorsport we love rc cars we love these other classic games let's make our mm -hmm. own cuz you know you see those people online that are the the twitter uh, commenters online that they're like, oh, th this developer should do X, Y, and Z. And you guys just went, well, we'll just do it ourselves. <laughs> How did that um, happen? I guess we we participated in motorsport as we grew up. Um, uh, when I was studying game design, 
there was a teacher that had something that I always found very impactful because he said like, there's a ton of developers and they all have unique ideas and uh, a lot of will to create, but it always helps if you know what your superpower is. And he would ask us like, what's your superpower? And he said for him, it was like, he was a Simpsons fan. <laughs> And he may, he participated, he was a designer on Simpsons Hit and Run. So oh. his superpower was that he, he was such extremely knowledgeable about the Simpsons that it became his superpower um, to be a person who very few designers could challenge his uh, knowledge to make that, uh, to participate in that game, right? So for us, I think uh, knowing our background it felt like naturally the, the best way to contribute to gaming was to use our history and, and the, our knowledge to create something that we had a, a, a perspective that we valued in. And so that naturally led us to want to make a, a racing game. And I guess, yeah, the, the rest of how we approached the creative process was like what my brother was talking about, like, um, enjoying such a fast, uh, diverse portrayal of motorsport from Mario Kart to slot cars to RC to karting and to sim racing. I think we found that motorsport could be enjoyed in so many different ways and we would have a blast every Christmas doing lap times on our, our slot car track, which we would only put once a year, but we would get extremely uh, into it, you know, like we would chase the milliseconds and we, we, we know that you don't always need the full simulation of a car to enjoy shaving milliseconds of a system. Whatever you're playing with, it can be a scooter, it can be a slot car, uh, or it can be Mario Kart, you know? And we'll, at least on our side, we know that we would enjoy it. <laughs> And I think there's a ton of people that would resonate with that. So we, we never really felt like it was a, a wild bet to assume that that space would exist because we sort of knew or, or believed that uh, as long as we created the right environment, it could be entertaining. Yeah, the, um, from what I can remember, holy cow, this is a long time ago now. That was around 2014 when we first started talk, talking seriously about this. Um, the design aspect and the artistic aspect of the game came together quite naturally. We, we sort of we both wanted the same thing, so that, that wasn't. It was it was very hard to develop it technically, but we knew what we wanted. We, we knew in our heads what, what the result should look like. So fortunately, in that sense, we feel like we did very well. We, we put out a product that, that is, uh, in our heads, genuinely fun. And um, it, it gave us the opportunity to, to show that we can execute on a vision. And that was, that's the most important thing for, for this first project. And uh, we now get to do it all over again, to think about it creatively. And uh, I think what you guys were saying earlier is, um, is very true. That, the racing games can evolve in a very, if you're not attached to, to, to simulation and to realism, it, that creates so much space and, and uh, you can do it in many different ways. I, I think Breakfast is a fantastic example of how you can do it, uh, sort of, yeah. uh, you can do a game that is sort of realistic, but also very creative and very playful. Mm -hmm. So we get to 
think about a process like that again from the beginning and with a ton of lessons under our belts. So I'm interested by the very beginning of this journey. So you were saying that, you know, you, you're now starting again, but I, I'd like to understand more about what the process is. So take us back to 2014. You've mm -hmm. got this idea. You think you pretty much know the area you want to go into. You, you're already most sports fans and you like racing titles, et cetera. And you think, okay, well, there's a space here and we can execute on it. Like, mm -hmm. what was it in all of your backgrounds which allowed you to then pursue it like what experiences did you have so original fire games as far as i can see there's five people three founders so it's a small team how do you go from we've got an idea to okay we now have the budget to execute on that for the next what seven eight years like that's mm. not us that's no small feat right it was it wasn't meant to be like that <laughs> <laughs> the original journey i think um so the the whole journey has been riddled by a will to create and the the knowledge limitations to execute on it uh, it's been really difficult uh, because we've had so much clarity on what we wanted to make um, that it becomes easy to know when you're not achieving it um, but from the very beginning, it, it seemed attainable because we didn't know how much we didn't know. <laughs> okay. So yeah. it was like, oh, uh, I, I, I saved money for a year. Uh, I think I can make a game in a year. And my brother joined me in, in that phase. So it was just like, uh, I, I was living in Vancouver um, and my work permit expired and I went back to Mexico and I had this idea for a game. I sort of talked about it with my brother and we were both enthusiastic about it. I had enough knowledge of programming to think that I could figure it out along the way. <laughs> and then just started, you know, like I started reading about wheel physics and, and making little uh, advances bit by bit and making art um, that we could use to start creating an environment to race in and just bit by bit we we started to build something uh, that that started to look like a game <laughs> we had a kickstarter that failed um we had no social media um efforts at that point so nobody knew about us we just sort of thought <laughs> it would work out if we just put it out there and that was really healthy because the um, the moment we realized we weren't gonna make we weren't gonna make it, um, we were we had begun the journey of putting the game out there and showing it to people, and it became apparent like oh this uh, this not only do we not have like the the social media awareness that we need to to get a, a product out there, but also the quality of the games that were successfully getting uh, a lot of clicks was higher. So we just had to go back to the drawing board and, and, and think how we can make it better and how can we grow and, and learn to, to improve that vision. And bit by bit, we start getting there. And that's how it became such a long journey. It wasn't like we didn't know it would take seven years. It was always one year more. Uh, so it was the first year. Kickstarter didn't work out. Okay, one more year. And then we can um, 
perhaps release it or try again. And then another year, and then we got a publisher. Uh, and then once we had a publisher, okay, we we find a way to to make a, a product plan that makes sense that we believe we can achieve on. And again, <laughs> we we were um, just always pursuing that that belief that we were gonna uh, finish the game in a relatively um, short amount of time. But there was so much knowledge to build uh, that yeah, it took it took longer than we expected it to. That's that's really interesting. That you know, Tom and I are no strangers to the oh, it'll take one more year, week, whatever, you know, just, oh, just yeah. one more, just one more, just one more. It's, it's kind of like the joke well, on online where, oh, just one more game. That's, that's all, that's all right. I'm online for just one more game. And then Same all game. of a sudden <laughs> four in the morning rolls around. You're like, what just yes. happened? What's yeah. going on here? Yeah. <laughs> Seven years just happened. <laughs> so in your first Patreon or not Patreon, I don't know why I went there, but your first Kickstarter attempt, how yeah. did you get like all of the art and everything together? if you didn't really have a full-fledged real product quite yet, was it mostly like still renders and 3D programs? How did you build no, the Kickstarter up to the point where you could actually say, okay, I think people get the idea of this game. Let's launch this was, and see if we can get support. So I guess, I guess that's a, um, a common uh, thing that is difficult to communicate as a game developer uh, and for, for players to uh, differentiate is that a game is so huge that you can get a playable experience relatively early and it looks so ready. Uh, so if you get a car that can do laps and you have a track, it seems you have a game. Um, there's just so many things to build. There's menus, there's customization systems, there's saving systems, there's cloud support and server maintenance and um, translations and console certification processes and adapting to different uh, consoles, iconographies. It's just gigantic. And that's why I think, yeah, we, we, we had a playable software experience that, okay. that was not a product. Because in order to get a product, you just need so many more things. Right. And that makes sense. It, it took so long to, to build the other parts. And that's been what our team has been amazing at. Uh, it's okay. The team knows what the the core experience we want is. That was sort of already built early on in the project, and it was taking that and making it into a fully fleshed product that can be on a Nintendo Switch. It can be in a Steam Deck. It can be in PlayStation, mm -hmm. and people can play online and they can invite their friends and and it'll comply with all the console certification <laughs> aspects, which are plenty. Uh, so. Yeah, no, it's 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 a it's a very daunting journey once you know all the steps you really need to do to to get a product to that point. Um, but yeah, to get to get a a, um, a playable experience, let's we can call it a game. Um, that happens relatively early in the process, and and it's good that it happens early because it also is important to validate that that experience is fun because before you start to build everything around it, because if that if at that stage it's not fun, um, maybe Back not worth the board. Yeah. Else, right? mm -hmm. They say that um, 
Mario 64, they, they built Mario um, in a blank box. It was just like a box. Uh, huh. And they wanted to make him fun before they started to build any levels for it. So uh, Mario okay. was fun to move just to jump and run and, and dash and, and duck and all the things Mario does um, before they built any one particular level. And I guess we always try to approach games with the same philosophy where we want to validate that the fun is there early on. So for us, it was just like lapping is fun. Um, well, that validates the dream a little bit and it makes it so that at least... It's almost lucky that you didn't know all of the other aspects that you've come to learn over the course of time, because that would that would be like staring up a mountain when you're at the bottom instead of just like kind of thinking about going over the hills at the base of it, you know, like getting yeah, to the point where you could play it and have fun. And mm -hmm. then instant, I bet I can only imagine in your mind when you realized you were enjoying something that you created. Mm -hmm the feeling that you got where you're like, this is actually happening. This is actually working. This is actually fun. I bet that was, that was like a, almost a weight off your shoulders moment because up until then you'd have no idea if your idea was going to actually function or work or be fun or, or be a viable product. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think there was two stages. One was, um, when lapping became fun, that was, um, a huge relief because we knew that it, it took a long time to get there. And to just finally feel like, oh, I mean, I'm actually genuinely enjoying it um, was a big relief. And also when we got AI in it and we raced, um, we had a, like a, a, a combat experience with, with someone else in the track. Um, I think that was the second moment where we were, when we were quite thrilled that it seemed to be going in a direction that we we're making a product that we could be proud of. Uh, it, it's interesting because I feel like making a game is much like starting a business and that people say that a second time founder is a thousand times better than a first time founder because a second time founder knows all the stuff that they don't know. So yeah. if you could go back to 2014 and tell mm -hmm. yourself something just to warn you, what would it be? <laughs> Ooh, oh, that's a good question. I, I sort of know what I would do now, uh, but to go back and tell the person uh, back then, I don't know. It would almost be like what Chris was saying, like having a bit of, um, of um, belief that is in, a bit naive was what allowed us to always keep keep believing like if we knew that the size of the mountain we probably would have been unmotivated or demotivated to to tackle it just it would it would have seemed too big mm -hmm. um so i don't know what i would say like it's all as, as he said it's a blessing to not know all the all the difficulties that you're gonna endure in a journey because maybe you you won't feel as strong if you knew Right. That's very right. interesting. Um, it'll be probably cut the features in half and, All right. <laughs> uh, and try to do as much marketing material as possible uh, and try to, to, to try to put yourself out there as much as possible, try to like, expose the game as much as possible. Like uh, treat marketing as one of the important one of the, uh, uh, as a core part of your business.
Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that would so have been a great pro advice. Probably those, <laughs> those two things could have, could have made a difference. That would have been a very good advice. I mean, you guys have a very devoted community. That was something that struck me about Circuit Superstars is when it, when it came out, I noticed that like on, on Facebook and Twitter, there were loads of people who, when it was, in my eyes, it was being announced, I hadn't heard of it before. There were people who seemed to be like long-term advocates of this game, discussing some of the finer details of it as if it had been out, as if it was a set of Corsa and it had been out for like 15 yeah, years, yeah. you know, and they knew all the ins and outs of it and they had the things they liked, things they didn't like. And it was kind of like, you know, we need to back this game, guys. Let's get behind this. It's so great that it's coming out, blah, blah, blah. So how did you create that community and how, is, how important has it been? I think what, what happened was that we're uh, a top-down racing game and top-down racing games don't have a lot of representation. And I feel like from the eyes of the community that has most embraced our game, which is now at this point, it's, it's larger than that and, and more uh, with different backgrounds, but the people who were very excited early on were players who really love uh, either RC or top-down racing games. And even our, one of the top competitors in Circuit Superstars um, still races RC. Um, mm -hmm. So I think in, in a way we tapped into a community that was already there, hoping that a game like this would be made. The competitive side of it, mm. how did you make it so that with the simplified physics, with the, with the overall aesthetic of the game, how did you make sure that the competitive aspect of it still shines through and it's not just like a play game and, you know, don't take it seriously and crash people out and you know, be a mm. jerk on the track, if you will. How did you keep the competitive side alive with all of the differences from like an Assetto Corsa or, uh, or iRacing? I think at the core is because it still respects the values of what motorsport really is, which is driving quickly around the track and having good racecraft. Um, and a layer, in our case, not as, not as deep, uh, but a layer of strategy. And we also tr had taken the liberties of, because we're playful, I think we were able to do stuff like the penalty system that we have, which I'm quite happy with, uh, because when I play uh, some, some racing games, either, or I'll, I'll use Gran Turismo as an example, you, know, you don't always know where the limits are, and you'll get penalties where you don't really know what, when the penalty will, be, will come. Uh, if you go out of bounds on the track and we put stuff like the, the um, we have plastic poles wherever you will be penalized. So if you cut them, you, you know that that's the bounce, right? And, but be, that's not realistic. So <laughs> it's not <laughs> present in, in, in all, all racing games. And I think having a bit of um, room to be playful or, or to just be non-realistic has given us ways to uh, plays rules that people care about in, in, comp in competitive motorsport and put them in a way that to us feels intuitive and easy to understand. It's like mm -hmm. you don't cut the plastic pole, it's out of bounds. Um, but it really uh, creates a, a fair playing field. Whereas, um, I don't know if you guys have played Forza Motorsport 7, but you can cut corners everywhere <laughs> in that game and it's 
I think an an easy uh, aspect for a competitive player to be dissuaded to to participate seriously in in a game that doesn't feel like it respects the the principles of the sport. And I think in that way we put a big focus on respecting the principles. And as long as the other parts are there, hot lapping and, and racecraft, I think the experience can still come through, even though it's not having a real car in there. So the next question I have is wheel support for this game. So obviously it kind of like, it looks, it almost suggests that it's a controller only game in a way, right? And I've talked about playing it on the Steam Deck and that's a fabulous experience. But what about wheel support? Did you guys build in any any wheel support into the game or is that something that if you haven't built it, you're thinking about? No, because (laughs) that's one of the corners we cut. Right. Okay. So yeah. on the on building the physics, we built them with a keyboard. <laughs> so as long as they felt good on an analog input, and sorry, on a on a on a, on a digital input, yeah, just a we we thought we would b- build something that could scale to controllers because I don't use controllers very granularly. <laughs> just okay. going. It's like it's up. It's all the way or zero. It's, all the it's way. It's almost right? Like yeah, I feel like most players just. Slam on it. <laughs> um, it's difficult to to be very detailed, and and it kind of gets your fingers a little tired as well. If you're very granular with it, so yeah, we built them with that in mind. Just um, digital inputs, and the if 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 we were to give a, a full analog input, like even even if it was an RC wheel, I think it would feel like too unresponsive because it's okay. it's the game sort of expects a hundred percent inputs all the time. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. You, even if with a wheel, you you would be very uncompetitive because even if you had only 180 degrees, it would take you a long time to go from one side to the other. Whereas the, the fastest players in, in circuit tend to mm-hmm. use the keyboard because you, your inputs are immediate from zero percent to to hundred percent. Right, being steering. able to change so direction. Right, they're making mm-hmm. micro corrections all the time. Um, so yeah, it, it's a game just thought around using either a keyboard or a gamepad. Okay, and I think for us it's quite an intimidating aspect of building a more realistic physics model that supports wheel. Is that uh, if you support wheel, uh, sort of the physics kind of be quite natural with a wheel. But if you want those physics to feel great with a controller, there's a lot of magic. Uh, that games like Gran Turismo do in order to make the, Wii, the the controller feel good. Because if you see the input that the controller is uh, sending to the game, they're not like there. There's a lot of wizardry on on how much okay. steering you do at high speeds and how how long the 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 internal sort of driver will start to to to, to steer the wheel for you if you just slam on the on the controller. Because yeah, because there's a there's a limit to the to... rate. It's it won't be just hundred percent, zero percent. It's okay. This driver is going to progressively turn until yeah. they hit hundred percent. Yeah, and it feels good in those games. So um, for us to know that they that that's a thing they developed and they put a lot of thought into um, makes us know that oh, it's an entire feature. Um, mm-hmm. And for us, uh, we we intend to understand it in the future and know how to do it, but it's not something we know yet how. Um, and if we were to build something that's a little less realistic, 
we would definitely do that early on um, to try and understand how to make physics that feel great with an analog input that's very progressive, but also be able to remap that uh, and properly um, land it on a gamepad in a way that feels really great because Makes sense. Even, even I think games like Assetto Corsa took a while to feel good on a gamepad. And I think now that they're on console, they, they feel pretty good. But yeah, it's not, very. Not, a, not, not on the early stages, I don't think. It's very impressive. It's almost like the game guesses what your intention is. <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry, I've been coughing for the past two weeks. No, you're fine. Um, when you're tra traveling really quickly and you make a very sudden turn with the joystick, the car will move only very slightly. So it's, it's uh, almost limiting what you can do depending on what the car is doing at the time. So it's very advanced driving gates. I'm pretty sure, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's um, like automotive companies, if they took a look at what they're doing, it would be interesting for them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can drive the game very, the, the cars really uh, don't steady. don't. Don't say that to Elon, because all of a sudden you'll drive your Tesla with a PlayStation controller. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the decision to kind of drop wheels, if you will, mm -hmm. that sounds weird, but to not support a driving wheel, was that a mm -hmm. conscious decision that in the beginning you just went, no, we're not going to support those in any advanced fashion other than the fact that like I could remap it to pretend to be a controller? Was mm -hmm. that a like an A and B decision you said? We could go with it, but we're actually not going to. Or was it just kind of a, well, it's probably too complex for us to be able to add to this game at this point in time with our team? Yeah, it was a combination of the two. Like, it didn't feel like the right fit for the product. Okay. And it didn't feel like a challenge we were ready for or that we needed to tackle because um, it would have required the physics themselves to be different. Yeah. And it was difficult enough, let's say. To, to make them fun for uh, a keyboard and a gamepad, that having a layer of support for something we didn't really believe it needed, uh, it just made it very uh, easy to know that it, it wasn't a challenge we were down to solve. I, I like that approach because that approach is is knowing your identity and being able to cut cut off advanced features that are probably just going to end up putting you into the weeds and make it even longer. One more year, one more year, right? Yeah. Because it's almost like if you guys were to de decide to support wheel, it's like that TV show that has like two seasons too long after it should have already ended. Like it didn't really need that extra stuff. So <laughs> yeah. just stop, you know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. A bit like that. Mm -hmm. So what is next for circuit superstars? I mean, Where's your trajectory going? Because you did mention earlier in the podcast the first product, so it sounds like mm -hmm. there's something in the horizon in the back of your minds on a whiteboard somewhere that we can't see. But uh, what's next? Yeah, so obviously we want to keep supporting Circuit Superstars, and, uh, and we we have a new launch for the Nintendo Switch, which we feel it's the perfect platform for it. So we're excited to see it ship there and, and hopefully have a, the community embrace it and hopefully it grows. Uh, I can say from platform. from a Steam Deck player, mm -hmm. the Nintendo Switch is perfect for it because the, the Steam Deck is a Nintendo Switch, really, that plays PC games, yeah. obviously, right? right. Yeah, well, yeah. Some people might get mad at me for saying that, but you know what I mean. <laughs> but no, the yeah, Nintendo I, Switch, like I'm putting it up on its little kickstand, having four controllers. Can, now, will it be four players at the same time as well? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's that? 30, 30 frames per second on four split. 
but still 60 uh, for a single player, like it's still the same experience. And it was yeah. very difficult to get there, but um, for us to have a, a game on the Nintendo Switch that can feel like motorsport, um, it's, a, it's a huge achievement. And so we're very excited okay. to put it there. Um, well, and then, and then the support for driving games on Nintendo Switch is what, Mario Kart? <laughs> there's, yeah. now, uh, there's a few more but yeah it, it is not it has not been uh, an easy platform for for racing games i think um yeah because naturally there's always like a very high demand for graphics and simulation and putting those in a in a chip that isn't super powerful becomes really difficult for everyone and it was difficult for us but i think because we have always uh known that the, the game doesn't need high-end high-end visuals and high-end simulation in order to um, successfully be the product it wants to be. Uh, we very early on knew that it should be on Switch. And yeah. so we made decisions early on for that. And for the next product, so we're, as you said, like uh, a second time entrepreneur is, how, how, many, how many times was it? A hundred times <laughs> better? Um, for us, the yeah, uh, making making a game uh, where we can take all the lessons that we've taken from our first title is extremely exciting because we see so much growth in us uh, as a team. Yeah, that we really want to explore that, and we we still feel that the space that you guys have signaled that we're occupying has a lot of room to grow. Uh, so we would love to explore something in that space where it's not realism, it's not Mario Kart, but it's still very, very true to motorsport. And we would love to keep um, participating in that space, growing it, and hopefully um, making something that can have a large community to embrace that next game. Now, yeah. GridFinder is obviously a, a league management or a, a league promotion system. Now, we don't have very many circuit superstars leagues on there but it would be very cool to to build it up and with your guys's help in putting it together so that we can promote Absolutely. more circuit superstars and get more people involved in the game because the game is just it's fun it's it's that perfect it's that perfect break from sitting at your your computer and trying as absolute hard as you can to get the fastest lap on a sim and then you just sit back and you can you could still try to get the fastest lap, but you're just relaxed and you yeah. have a controller in your hand. There's no wheel support, so that's probably even better, honestly, because I'd be <laughs> the guy who's like, well, let's put a wheel on this thing and let's try it. And right. Then, then yeah. it'd be I'd more stressful this. again, and you're sitting in your rig still. So it, I think <clears throat> I think there's a lot of room for growth for you guys, and I think that that even if even if your next product is something in the same vein, I think this this style of racing has a lot of potential. Yeah, we definitely want to keep supporting the community to to fulfill that that premise. And we're still working on the game. Um, there's a ton of leagues that have have opened up recently, and I'm I'm gonna work with that, our community to make them aware of Gridfinder to make it easier for new players to to join them because they differently go through our discord and sometimes they're like what do i do and it depends a bit on whether the community responds yeah uh, to them if they find it or maybe like they 
if they don't get a quick response, maybe they leave and, and then they didn't find a community to play with. Uh, so having a space where they can um, find those those leads a bit more centralized would be amazing for our community. So yeah, for driving games, I mean, <clears throat> I don't even remember what the oldest game that we have in the in the repertoire right now or whatever. But communities keep these games alive for mm -hmm. basically ever. As long as there's a community around it that wants to race it, it never stops being, you know, raced in. It's mm -hmm. it's amazing. Yeah. So hopefully. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, seeing uh, how the community has kept alive games like Grand Prix 2 and Grand Prix yeah. 4 and Richard Burns Rally, that's incredible. They not only create content, they, they make the game better. Like They uh, revamp the physics and uh, they just uh, create a whole thing and, and keep it alive. Um, so, um, yeah, with regards to Circuit, we'll always be very supportive and pay a lot of attention and do everything we can to support competitive efforts. And then um, we live in a very nice time where if you find a way to improve the game in any way, then you can implement it and, and people can update it immediately. So we'll keep doing that as well. Like every single uh, bit that we learn and, and can uh, can be applied to the game, we'll always do it. So it's a bit tricky because of the console pipeline. Oh, <laughs> we need yeah, to go through true. like all the certifications, like the four different platforms. I was platforms. just going to so ask about mod support. Yeah, oh, and you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mod support because of cross play, right? So you can, there's ways to do it. And we've talked to a few companies that can help with uh, mod support for consoles. Uh, so essentially you uh, can get a pipeline in place where people could mod the game on PC, upload it to a server uh, that can deploy those files as a patch into okay. console. And then the cross-platform nature makes it quite tricky. And there's a lot of layers to go through with certification. We could also make it so that only PC versions can be modded, but then it, then it would kind of be, um, need to be communicated at like, oh, you have a mod, this won't work with press platform, right? So right. it's a tricky problem to solve. Yeah, but, it's tricky, um, but we're, we're looking into it. Okay. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, if we find practical solutions, then it's something that we surely will bring forward. See, I think that's what's the great thing about indie developers versus like a triple a developer someone huge you know because the community can actually give you a little bit of feedback and then you can look into it and it's a viable option to be added to the game like mod support mm -hmm. but if you were to go to one of the triple a developers as we call them in the, in, in the world now your your voice wouldn't be heard ever unless all of a sudden somehow you got trending on twitter and then it yeah. would just be ignored anyways <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's difficult, right? Because they're they're sort of like big ships and they move very steadily. Um, mm -hmm. It's not as easy to be agile with such big teams. And uh, like I, I definitely understand their uh, their process and why it's difficult for them to react to feedback. Uh, but yeah, on our side, it's it's definitely a, a thing to embrace uh, having that agility to be able to react to 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 player feedback and and think have a discussion with a team like hey. This is something that came up with the community. Let's talk about it and see if it makes sense. And ultimately, like not always, uh, we find a way to to make it. Either it's out of bounds for our, our scope, 
or our team's uh, ability to 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 support it with the time constraints and all. But we're always um, discussing things that come up from the community, and more often than not, they come into our plant uh, in mm-hmm. some way or another. Either that's because we um, find a, a, we we've we've gone through moments where we find a solution to like five different complaints that <laughs> it's like, oh, we don't like this, this and that. And then we don't address any of them. We address this other thing that sort of uh, addresses them all at once. Um, at least we've tried to do that as best we can. Yeah. Yeah. Now, how big is your team? If you feel like sharing that, you can, uh, obviously you don't have to, but you know, I'm, I'm curious as an indie developer, uh, you know, how many developers and how many people do you have on your on your staff, I guess I would say? I don't know. So we're five at the moment. At the biggest stage, we were a team of seven. Or, okay. I think. That's a small yeah. one. Yeah. Seven, seven was changed. the largest. Um, yeah. It evolved. And, um, wow. well, um, our sister Carol, Alberto, and myself have been there naturally since the very beginning. Uh, John has been with us since uh, the, uh, since when we first uh, started working with our publisher. Uh, yeah, so we that founded was the company January 2019, so almost four years now. Oh wow! And um, there's been a couple of engineers that that uh, were there for a while, and uh, they're not there anymore. But uh, at the moment, it's um, two engineers: John, Andrew, both brilliant, uh, Carol, Alberto, and myself. And uh, well, for the next project, depending on what we do. Uh, we will probably need to grow the team a little bit. Yeah, that's absolutely astonishing. Sometimes when you hear about these indie developers and the size, for some reason, seven even is smaller than I was anticipating <laughs> when you were at your largest. I don't know why. Right. In my mind, I'm like, oh, an indie team's probably like twenty or thirty people, right? Like that's just mm. to build a game. There's so many things that need done. It has to be that many people, right? But wow, that's yeah, five. That's five is definitely really small. Um, so when we were seven, we were, um, so Carlos and Chicho were um, the the main art team and I, I was like partially in art. So my role has always been a bit like part in, in splitting three. I, I do a little bit of engineering, a little bit of art and design. Mm-hmm. And then my sister, Carol, um, she's always involved in design of the game and, and um, helps us build it, but also like she's the studio lead. She manages and, and keeps the studio going and all the operations uh, yep. running smoothly. Uh, and she she's incredible at reaching out and, and keeping healthy relations uh, with people around us. And yeah, she just, <laughs> she takes on so much. <laughs> and, and we've, John, the, long, the, the engineer that's been with us since we started the company, he knows the, the the code base inside and out. Like he's he's been there for every every single part of it. Like any part that I've participated in, he's also aware of. Uh, mm-hmm. If I if I, I I participated in writing physics, for example, and the and the, and the AI, and he he rewrote them to make them uh, fast faster on the <laughs> on the CPU and lighter and and and. So he he's he's aware of every every part of the game, and he's extremely knowledgeable. And Andrew, he's been with us uh, for about eight months now. Uh, he, he's a, it's the first time he made he's in games, 
but he's such a um, he's such a petrolhead. <laughs> he, he was making uh, RC modifications to to cars with Arduino chips for a while, and like he he can do them, he can make them have blinkers on, and like he's just been doing all this uh, creative work surrounding cars for so much of his life that it, it's been a joy to just find a, a team member that even though he's new to games like he just fits so naturally with uh, creating content and, and systems for it and we had filled wardrobe for how long was he with us like two years maybe about two years and he's the one who uh, worked very closely on all the matchmaking and okay. lobby systems and 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 before he left he worked on the ranking systems as well um, so yeah, I'll... yeah. The next project, are you staying within racing? Do you think, or do you have an idea to go beyond the the track, if you will? <laughs> uh, we've thought about um, experiences that we would be keen to to build that are not necessarily motorsport, but okay. we always gravitate to racing, like in some way, move okay. at speed, you know? <laughs> yeah. Or, 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 or manage momentum in some way. So we've talked about uh, like broomsticks and like crazy <laughs> things. But, um, do, do you remember I, the, there was a unicycle racing game on Nintendo, Super Nintendo back in the day. I can't remember what the really game was. Called. was it, unicycle. I don't think I ever saw it. It was, yeah, you were, you didn't have a rider on it, but it was just mm. like, it was a side-scrolling unicycle game where you just went through, it was almost like a marble maze kind of a, a track. Mm. And right. that game was was pretty interesting. Uh, if I can oh. find if I can find a YouTube video after the show, I'll go ahead and message it to you guys so you can see it. But I, I had a blast in that game when I was a kid. Mm. I put so many hours into that game for no I mean, reason other than just to get the fastest time on every track. Mm. So I understand I understand your your desire to keep coming back to racing again because I don't know. There's something about racing that's like you don't necessarily have to play against other people. You can even just time trial yourself, and then you're mm -hmm. racing against yourself, and there's no yeah. outside competition except for just right. being the best version of you on that track or on that whatever you're racing on, and it's yeah, it's addicting in a way. It's so it's so measurable uh, the yeah. progress, uh, it, that's why it becomes so compelling to keep going in. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, we we. We've built so much knowledge on how to build racing games at this point. Yeah. That also, like, we're we love games. Um, we we've talked about RPGs and like how how fun it would be to tell stories, for example, and how fun it would be to inhabit towns that we build where there's like a little hotel, perhaps. Uh, <laughs> so as 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 people who love games we are always like keen to explore and, and talk about uh different types of games but the, i think the constant is that we always really gravitate to valuing the the knowledge and the unique way to build racing experience that we believe we have sure. and we want to nurture that and and keep keep growing in that space um for the foreseeable future and maybe instead of like jumping off the space, just integrate some of the other interests we have into that. So okay, yeah, maybe maybe we make a, um, a, a racing game that has that little hotel one day. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Who knows? 
Yeah, it's it's all uh, it's um, early stages, and uh, we're uh, playing with many ideas, but it, it will very likely be about vehicles. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, yeah. since you know the size of the mountain, as we were talking about before, how it was a benefit to you not knowing how mm -hmm. much of a task or how large of a task you were about to embark on now that you know it does it feel more intimidating to make a decision to make another game or is it is it this weird mixture of well we know what the size of the mountain is but we also know how to climb it correctly so yes, it doesn't seem right. as daunting yeah so there's you, you want to answer that yeah. Yeah. Uh, as, as you wish um yeah um it's been a huge learning process, so we understand every area of development much better, so we're not uh, stabbing in the dark anymore. Uh, so we're able to make much better decisions with the design of the game. Uh, we know what each new feature will entail, and uh, we're much better at scoping the project and planning and understanding what are the aspects that need to be working very well. Uh, oh, for us to say, okay, let's invest our next the next year of our lives or next two years building this uh, because because we know it makes sense um, and it's fun and people will uh, likely enjoy it. Well, just make sure that when that when the statement of one more year comes through, you just get a good laugh out of, over it when you're one more year, oh, one more year, oh, one more year. <laughs> the um, the other aspect is that. We do know the size of the mountain, but we don't want to climb as tall anymore. <laughs> so, oh, okay. Um, right. At least for for our future project, I, I don't think we want to. Ideally, we don't want to tackle multi-platform release at at, mm. at once. Um, we would love to have um, a single platform be the space where we can iterate uh, at a lot faster rate than if you if you have the game released everywhere at once and it's cross-platform, you're quite limited. Okay. Um, and our our game is quite outrageous um, because I don't know if you guys can have a game. I I know one, but but that is four players split screen online cross platform because that that's wow. like extremely difficult to build, and we don't want to do it again <laughs> because <laughs> it was so so difficult. Um, and I think it's valuable, and I, of course, there's going to be a lot of players who enjoy it. But for us, I think the majority of players we see don't utilize uh, the full extent of those features. Right. Yeah. So at least in the beginning stages, we want to uh, perhaps consider not doing uh, split screen, for example. That will be okay. like a huge uh, benefit for us. Mm -hmm. But also multi-platform. Uh, it was a huge endeavor for us as a first project. To we we really didn't uh, have a lot of room to learn from our PC release before we had to jump into console. So uh, we want to give ourselves that space as well. Um, so cutting cutting a little bit on the on the on the scope of the project will will help us polish the experience a lot further uh, for any future titles we do uh, before we put it on other platforms. And also the mountain. We built we left some ladders. <laughs> so left some there's some rope stuff that's already and... built. We don't have to build to climb as hard. Like we um we know we know how to make so many things now. Uh that even if it's a tall part of the mountain the first time, uh we'll climb it easily the second time. So yeah. It's 
it's a combination of all those things that gives us a ton of confidence to tackle future projects as well and uh, makes it just extremely exciting to think oh we got all this learning like it just it just makes it really appealing to start to imagine how a product could look like with all those lessons um, and we're excited to to both bring those lessons as keep keep them coming back to circuit superstars and keep the product getting healthier and healthier mm -hmm. and and at the same time also build something uh brand new with all the learnings we have some of them we can't bring into circuit superstars for example oh okay um just because of yeah different different um things that are already in place that are difficult to change once it's built um but it's exciting to, to try and like even from like uh um the camera for example it's it's a thing that can give us uh, reduce the amount of players that can feel comfortable with our game so the fact that it's top down um we don't know what the ratio is but i guess it's like about half people don't feel comfortable with it <laughs> okay uh, so that, that would be a, a space that we would be keen to explore like a different camera um yeah so those, those are some of the lessons we want to explore for future games so if uh, you had to pick a platform right now which one would you pick out PC. of all the platforms that you have available pc pc yeah. okay yeah yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm excited about the steam deck uh i'm excited about proton as well like yep the the software that enables this team deck to exist i think it's exciting on its own uh the fact that you can run windows games without windows is groundbreaking uh i think so i'm 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 imagining that it's gonna extend um the possibilities of what how windows games can be played and oh, yeah. it makes our lives a little simpler because people are essentially playing our games on linux right uh, at this stage and that's that's exciting um so the combination of how how good a platform scheme is uh, and their their technology yeah i'd be keen to explore that uh, again but as well like we we, we we're open-minded and we want to keep like conversations open and if there's opportunity to be on a different platform we would consider it but we definitely do uh incline to pc if it was a choice we needed to make now gotcha Learned loads about this process as a team, right? So you've been through this process and yeah. you've made loads of mistakes as every team does. And then you learn from mistakes. And as you said, you leave the, the rope ladders up for the next time you climb the mountain, which yeah. is an analogy that I absolutely love, by the way. <laughs> I'm going to steal that one in the future. Um, but presumably you must be learning quite a lot from your own community. You must have a lot of analytics built in, not just for the user data and, and, and how much people are using it and that sort of statistics, but maybe even like the behaviors of how the gamers are using the game. Has anything surprised you about how people interact with what you've built? Huh. I think it's been a pleasant surprise how much they've embraced competition um, hmm. and the, how much they've surpassed our ability to support them in their their ambition to to create a competitive space because they go so fast um like there there's there's a few users um that 
got got to know each other from uh, the community, and one of them took the initiative to start building an app, for example. And so, mm. but the app doesn't have the support that it needs in order to extract all the information they want. So we're thinking of how to support them. But yeah, like they they go a little, they 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 always touch the parts we are not where we're not and then they ask like could you be here <laughs> and we try and try and adapt right um but they they definitely um have big ambitions for how they see this game growing um and they the, the community absolutely loves uh, engaging with each other through the game and they, they do all sorts of um, activities together I, I, at, at some point they had a race where everyone was 100% damage and it was just like a turtle race and it just made it so that the only thing that mattered was like taking the absolute shortest path because there was no momentum or slip <laughs> tire slip in any way so they just were like trying to find the perfect line um so yeah no the the watching them interact with the game and in that space has been a joy and i'm 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 now curious how the game will be on Nintendo Switch because there's, I'm expecting there's going to be a younger audience playing the game, and mm-hmm. I very much look forward to watching kids play and and how they interact with the game. Yeah, for me it's been um, uh, sur- the the surprise has been mainly um, how helpful they are and uh, well the, the moment they start playing it they they find. Um, all of the possible shortcomings uh, or small bugs that are in there, they find them extremely quickly, and then uh, they've been extremely helpful since the beginning and very respectful. And they say, "Okay, I found this, and uh, I think uh, these are the ways that I suggest uh, that you could address that." And then um, they also embrace newcomers in a very nice way, and they make sessions where they teach them how to drive and they sort of teach them the the, the rules of the community and uh, why. Uh, why uh, driving clean instead of just uh, try, uh, dive bombing in the, on the first turn? Um, <laughs> that so will always be a problem in racing. How helpful! How helpful they've been to us and to others. Yeah, I was going to say this is the interesting thing I think about the space you're in at the moment. In that gaming has gone from single player to multiplayer, as you know, gaming has gone online. But now gamers are changing their behaviors from being happy with racing multiplayer with random people that they've never met before and they'll never meet again. Now people want to race in communities and gamers want to game in communities because they want more in-depth stories. So rather than racing against someone and they're like, oh, okay, this is somebody I don't know. This is just a car that I've just overtaken. Now they can say, oh, this is the guy that beat me last week, but only just, and I've just overtaken. There's two laps to go. There's a whole load more nuance to to every aspect of the game like every every um element that you're interacting with in this case is other cars they're characters now not just cars and i feel yeah. like the the space that you're in is perfect to kind of capitalize on that i think you touch a very beautiful aspect of of racing games and online competition which is that uh storytelling and something we really uh, love to enable is this these moments that become a bit of a, a story, and it has actually made some uh, questionable decisions. Especially, I think as a designer, I was very stubborn to implement certain things that I thought would um, 
harm the capacity for the game to tell those stories. So for example, I was very adamant to add a restart button to, to the game. Because from my point of view, I, I thought if there's a restart button, they're going to restart the first corner until they pass everyone on the first lap. And then there's no story. So I want them to just play the race beginning to end and see what happens. And they hated that. <laughs> <laughs> yep. They didn't enjoy it. And, um, but I think there's always like a, 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 a good balance between a good user experience and, and good design. Uh, where you 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 let players go through some adversity, um, and I think that that's the the balance uh, for us as designer is creating this creating systems that feel challenging but not punishing. And I think punishing is sort of like in the realm where you feel it's like unfair uh, yeah. for your time, and and challenge is just like when. Maybe yeah, you, you you do experience difficulty, and, but you embrace it, and you you feel your time is well spent, and mm-hmm. it's it's not a not a balance that it's always easy to, to find. I, I actually find that sim racing can be quite punishing because it's so time invested, or you know, like if you if you crash in eye racing on an early lap, like that, that can be heartbreaking, right? So uh, I think in the space that they're in, it's necessary to, to create that sense of responsibility with each other and, and clean driving. But it's it's difficult to for a broader audience to accept those uh, those parts of, of, of a simulator. And I, I also think that's some, somewhere where circuit superstars can fit, where you can, even if you want to compete, it can be a bit of a more... Uh, um, less punishing experience to have a, a bad race because races are short uh, if if you if you have a bad one uh, you can a new one can start in a few minutes <laughs> right forget about that last one that's where the that's where the continuous one more game because you don't want to end on a bad game so you play another yeah. and another yeah. and another <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so presumably you guys have played your own game hundreds thousands of times over and and maybe actually you know i might be wrong maybe you you work on it so much you don't want to play it in the evenings or or when it came out but Mm. in all the times that you've played your own game what's Mm. been the most memorable moment that you've created in the game that something that you've done in your own game that stuck with you and why oh uh, for me, it was uh, the couple of races where I managed to beat one of the fastest drivers. <laughs> Just barely, but I, I beat him on a couple of races, at least. Um, uh, so just, um, yeah, just, um, I guess there was this one day when, when we had uh, the first track finished at the standard that we released with that we released the, the tracks with uh the first model of a car finished in the standard that the, the cars are finished and that and we attached a helmet as well that day that that evening i i couldn't stop playing and it was just uh, me on, on my own not even with the ai lapping with me it, it was just uh one car, just me lapping, and I couldn't stop. So uh, that's probably the most special memory. The time where we had uh, a car with physics finished, a proper car model, 
in there, uh, rendered as they as they look in the game. Uh, the track looking as as they do. So uh, just putting the whole package together and feeling like um, it could be something that, that had proper potential. Yeah. For me, I, I think there's, as Charlie says, like the, so certain milestones of development were very memorable for us. Um, the, the moment it began to be fun to lap, or the moment we had the first race against AI, and but also like the the first few times we played with our community, I think mm -hmm. uh, those were extremely memorable because mm -hmm. it was just like um, like a heightened level of excitement that we had never experienced with our game before, where it was like, oh, I actually am being like we were rarely challenged in the beginning because we had so much experience we were <laughs> quite good at it <laughs> so we would not feel that excitement easily but the moment the community got fast we played with them and then they started to be faster we started to want to chase them and mm -hmm. and then to finally be in that position where you're like oh actually wanting to shave up like find that time that you were not trying to find when you were on your own um that became really uh, exciting for us and, and became like really expanded the dimensions in which we could interact with our own uh, creation. Yeah. So if, if some new players are joining in after the podcast or however they find you, what's the mm -hmm. best way for them to get in touch with the Circuit Superstars community and kind of get started, you know, racing in leagues if they want to, or just, you know, interacting with other players? Where... Where's the best place to do that? A Discord, Reddit, just Twitter? Where, yeah, where typically your users hang out? Discord. So on, on Discord, they, they're always hanging out and they will point you to, like the community will also point you to the right like, community within the Circuit Superstars community. So um, if you're German, they're probably going to point you to the German Circuit Superstars, which is uh, like one of the most competitive ones. Um, oh, okay. And the, they they will like point you to to the right places, and like depending on where you're at, you, when you're where you're at with your time zone, they may point you um, to specific uh, people as well. Okay. So just popping up in, in Circuit Superstars Discord <laughs> and saying hi, um, I want to join a league. Like they'll they'll definitely embrace that and and point you in the right direction. And then what's the easiest way to find the Circuit Superstars Discord? Just by going to your website, or are you one of the publicly <laughs> available ones that they can search in Discord? So we have, we have links on our on our link tree uh, mm -hmm. to all the different stores and, and Discord as well. And we, we got on Circuit Superstars um, Twitter, we, we also have the links. But okay. um, yeah, I think... Um, let me see. Right. Once you join the Discord, you forget. Uh, okay, how so if they okay. if they were to Google search Circuit Superstars, they'll be able to probably find your socials or somewhere to get connected with your communities. Yes, for sure. Very At least good. I believe that we can. Yeah. <clears throat> um, maybe we need to make it a little bit more apparent in 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 our Circuit Superstars. Like the link is definitely here, but it's quite. All the way down. Yeah, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good thing to point out. It's it's a bit small and all the way down. So I'll, maybe I'll make, maybe uh, 
after the podcast, we'll have a discussion on getting you guys connected with a grid finder. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. they can they can go to grid finder and then join in your communities and, and and kind of get a get an easy pathway into there since there's a lot of the audience will be sim racers and already on grid finder, so they can find you there as well. Yeah, is there really tremendous? And we we really do think that uh, people who enjoy sim racing, uh, if they give Circus Super Sasha a try, they'll find something to enjoy as well. And maybe not all of them. Uh, maybe uh, for some it's too important to to pursue that realism. But uh, I think I mean, there's there's a good amount of players that can enjoy the the racing in Circus Superstars. I'm ashamed to say that I didn't give it the time of day until we did book the interview and then I downloaded it and played it and it's a lot of fun. It's a very, very fun game and I didn't expect it to be as fun as it is, to be honest Mm -hmm. with you. You guys did a fabulous job designing just a a game that is easy to sit down and have a good time with. And I haven't even raced with any communities or anything. It's just been on my Nintendo Switch sitting on the couch while the TV is on just having a blast. So thank you with that. Well done with that. Um, We are, we're about done with the podcast at this point for time. Uh, Is there anything else that you want to share with our community or your community before we go ahead and call it a day? I wish we could have an announcement, but unfortunately our announcements have been a bit delayed for circumstances outside of our country. That's um, but I, yeah, I, I think it, it's been a pleasure to talk with you guys. Uh, I look forward to exploring uh, Great Finder and, and seeing if, if our community can, can embrace a way for people to find each other and, and play because I think there's been a lot of joy when they do for them coming their way. Like the, once mm-hmm. they find a community, it seems like they really enjoy it. And I think, I think we could work together to, to build the communities even more for you guys and, and really... Yeah really start to make people not only joining your discord to be able to find the specific community that they want, but also just being able to go to grid finder and find all the different ones that are available to them and kind of, kind of do their own research and and find them through just normal everyday internet browsing. That'll be very cool. Yeah. Not even I keep up with all the leaks uh, sometimes. (laughs) Well, yeah. It's kind of hard too. That's a good thing. That's a good problem to have because if there's one, then you'd be keeping up with it all the time, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, well, on my side, well, um, players can expect that uh, there's more coming from us in the future. We definitely want to continue. We, we love making games. We love the creative process. And uh, we very much look forward to talking about uh, developments for Circuit and develop, developments for uh, whatever our next project ends up being. Tom, do you have any last questions for the guys? Thank you very much. It's been really interesting. This is the, I think this is only the second podcast we've had from somebody from within the game. So we had Aris mm. from Kunos, the physics oh, designer, cool. which, was, which was very, very cool. Um, um, and then all of our other guests have always been people kind of around the game. So either the streamers or the, the esports managers for F1 teams or the drivers. Or we had, you know, the the uh, CEO of tr- uh, Track Racer. So kind of all the peripheries around sim racing. But right. it's always incredibly fascinating to talk to the people who are actually building the experiences. So thank you very much for your time. Thank you. And thank you for having you us. May, you, may, you may want to talk to Dune, uh, the developer of our, our, Art of Rally. Uh, he's good friends of ours, and he's a joy to talk to every time. It's Great. We would love to if we could Let's get set it up. Let's do it. Yeah, Let's yeah. set it up.
Okay, well, if you're looking to if you're looking to check out Circuit Superstars, which I wholeheartedly recommend, it's it's a it's a fabulous addition to your sim racing kind of repertoire, if you will. And uh, is it available on Steam? I know it's on Steam because that's where I bought it. But is it available on other platforms as well? It's available on Xbox and PlayStation. Mm-hmm. And Switch is yet to be announced when it's going to be available, but it is going to be yeah. available. Yes, well, for sure. And then available. we can all play against each other too. So it doesn't matter what platform you're on, you can play <laughs> with each other and against each other yep. and join leagues. And it's not that only one true. platform for for competitive play. But, yeah, uh, it's yeah. one platform. Right. You can join leagues from any any one platform. You can pop in the in the custom lobbies, so they they can welcome you from any any place you're coming from. That is awesome. Well, we really appreciate you guys being on the show, and and maybe when when you want to do the announcement of your next game, if it is in the racing world, then maybe do another interview and oh, do an official announcement with us. That would be fantastic. Thank you. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Thanks again, guys. Um, this episode will be released on podcast services on next Sunday morning. So if you missed something on the the live stream, go ahead and. Pull it up on, you know, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. That'll do it for today. And thank you guys again. I appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for inviting us. It was a pleasure to talk with you guys. Hey, this is Chris from GridFinder. Thanks for listening to the Sim Sundays podcast. Head on over to GridFinder.com to find your spot on the grid and join Sim Racing Leagues for all your favorite games. Just enter your preferred game, car of choice, then let us know if you'd like to race PC, Xbox, or PlayStation, and we'll give you a list of actively recruiting leagues for you to join. And if you're a league owner, post your league on GridFinder so that you run with a full grid for every race. If you'd like to participate in the races featured in each episode of the Sim Sundays podcast, join our Discord server by going to gridfinder.com discord. We host a new car and track combo every Sunday at 8 p.m. UK time and stream it live to our YouTube channel. If you're looking to upgrade your sim rig, visit the episode sponsor TrackRacer at TrackRacer.com. Thanks for being here.